0: Welcome to the Recruiting Stories Podcast, where we celebrate recruiting by exploring the stories of leaders and top performers by digging into their stories and understanding how recruiting has impacted their journey and their success. All right, everybody, welcome back to the next edition of the Recruiting Stories Podcast. And this is another solo edition with me talking to you about how to improve, how to grow and scale your company when it comes to the recruiting process. And this one, uh, last week we talked, or last month, we talked about really your recruiting strategy versus um, your recruiting process. And today we're talking more about your process and specifically a structured hiring process. So let's get right to it. When it comes to rec- uh, a recruiting process, most companies have a process, but I wouldn't say they have a structured hiring process. And what we want to do is we want to nail down exactly what a structured hiring process is. So when we look at that, um, there is a few things to think about. Really what you're trying to do, you're trying to define the role, the requirements, the attributes of a successful candidate, and then the evaluation process of the role that is open. So I'm going to say that again. So when we think of a structured hiring process, we're defining specifically the role. The requirements, the attributes of the individual that should fill that, and then the evaluation process as well. So, really think of it this way we are starting out with, first of all, what is that role? Then, what does success look like in that role? We talked about that on the strategy side a little bit last time. And then we back our way into what that process should be to make sure that we're actually getting what we're searching for. We have to be really black and white, and what we need. And what we don't need. That way, we can make a solid decision to move forward. So, really, I'm going to kind of talk through a few steps on what this should look like. And remember, everything's going to be a little bit different based off of your company um, and how you guys do things. You may um, have different needs and and can adjust in different ways. But this is a good blueprint, um, I think, uh, as well. So, some of this is going to be taken from a book uh, I read years ago called. Who um, the A method for hiring? There's some really. It's a great book. I mean, there's there's everything. um, I wouldn't apply to every single company, and things have changed in the world. Um, But I think generally, there's some really good information that we're going to use. So to start, and, and if you look in that book, one of the things that they talk about as far as like the overall whole game plan of their book would be. Really, I think, like four different things um that they're they're trying to to go after, so there is a scorecard that you develop, there's sourcing for the person, they're selecting the person, and then they're selling the role to the person so I'm gonna give you a little bit more complex process than that because I think there's a little bit more to it, having done this for more than a decade at this point, uh, I do think. Some of those things we will talk about, and then we'll talk about more of those in details. For instance, sourcing there's a number of ways to go about that. Probably our next uh, one-on-one here, you know, kind of education podcast, we'll talk about. Hey, where do you source people? Um, what's the process behind that? And uh, we can dive in a little bit deeper there. But when we think of the overall process here for a structured hiring process, let's start there. So first thing that you want to do is you want to Define the role. We talked about that last time. Hopefully, we have the role defined. Now, based off of that, we need to create that scorecard. I'm curious, feel free to leave a message or shoot me a message if you're listening to this. How many companies that you've worked for actually use a scorecard in the recruiting process? Many companies that I talk to or meet with, they have some version of, you know, they'll have the recruiter talk to somebody, see if they're generally a good fit for. Job description. And then, if they think so, still kind of subjective, but then they'll send it on to someone who might be like the manager um, who would manage that person. If they like them, then they make an offer, or they might bring them in for an in person interview and then they all meet with them, explain the job. And then basically, people decide do I like them? And does somebody think they can't do the job? And Are they a cultural fit? Kind of the things that that you see. And it's the problem with that is it's really, really subjective. If you haven't defined all of those things, I mean, it might be some opinion over another. And then how do you weight different people's opinion? So it's just really broad and generic. And you might have somebody who's really forceful on their opinion. And so that person's opinion ends up making the decision most of the time, uh, whether it should or shouldn't. Um, And that may not be healthy if they're not boots on the ground, seeing what this role does, um, and then really understanding they haven't spent time with the candidate as well. So let's talk about the process. So we want to talk about first creating a scorecard. What are the essential knowledge, skills, and ability that are needed in this role? Okay. What attributes do they need to succeed? All of this needs to be written down, and then you need to quantify it on a scorecard. I'm going to put a link to uh, a good place that will help you define your scorecard in the show notes that you can take a look at. Because I think it's a good practice. You need to go through it as a group, but you you need to decide, okay, what are the attributes needed to succeed in this role? What are the skills needed to succeed in this role? What is the knowledge needed to succeed in this role? And then I would say, well, what is the personality type needed to succeed in this role? Oftentimes. You might see someone who, let's just say, they need to be highly detailed. They need to have um, the ability to crunch numbers. They need to be able to do quick math. Um, And if somebody is not wired that way, um, they're a big picture thinker, detailed or difficult for them, they're going to fail at the role. Even if they interview really well, even if their resume looks good, unless they can prove that they've done it in the past, they're probably going to fail at the role generally just based off of their their personality and and who they are and naturally. So once we have those all on our scorecard, then we need to be able to say, okay, what's our hiring board? Who's going to make this decision that will help us figure out if this person is the right person to hire or not? So hiring board needs to obviously include the person who is going to be managing this person, um, the person typically above them, Um, Let's just say a vice president, depending on the size of your organization. Sometimes um, you may include a team leader um, or, you know, someone who they might work closely with in operations or sales or finance, someone who understands what the role is and the culture of the company, and they can speak to whether or not someone could succeed um, in the role Based off of the knowledge, skills, abilities that we defined, as well as the culture of the organization. It's once you have created a hiring board, you have to decide what's your, what's your structure, okay? So this is one where I have conversations with organizations all the time. I mean, I've seen anywhere from like an eight interview hiring process, please don't do that, to people will make like instant offers after one interview. And I don't think that's necessarily the wisest thing to do either. So typically, it's going to be somewhere in between. I think a, anywhere between a, a two to four interview process is important. You need to have someone screen them typically on the phone to make sure that they're qualified for the role. Typically, either a recruiter, a hiring manager, uh, an external recruiter, they do a really good job at being able to say, hey, we're going to filter this down, then to get in front of the hiring board, the next interview should be in front of your hiring board. Um, that's a great one for an on-site or a Zoom interview where people can um, kind of walk through and get to know the team and the culture a little bit more. Once you go through that with your scorecard, there should typically be both a, a very conversational, um, we want to get to know you type of a conversation to get to know the candidate The who a method for hiring book offers some suggestions. They, they talk about four different interviews and one of them is get, get to know you one is really focused one's focused on the background they have some different ways to go go about that I think they're all helpful but let's just say your second interview first one's qualifying your second interview really needs to dig into those knowledge skills and abilities and sometimes you can split that up for people you know someone who maybe really exudes and understands the culture they can they can really dig in on those questions someone who is going to understand that the day to day of that job, they can really talk through those questions. Someone, you know, who's, you know, more cerebral, maybe a leader on um, personality. They've seen a lot. They've interviewed a lot of people. Maybe they would be good to kind of talk through the um, the skills cool. assessment or things like of that nature. or personality assessment, uh, things of that nature, and so you could split it up that way. Either way, depending, however you do it. I think it's really important to say that, okay, we have this scorecard. And once we're done, once that person has gone through the interview process, then we got to submit our scores. Once we submit our scores, it should be pretty clear the way the scorecard is set up, whether we're going to offer this person or not. Okay? we Now, the next thing that should happen is... Once you submit those, a standing review, a interview review. So just kind of a powwow where you all get together the following day um, and you talk about, you know, talk about this. And sometimes you have a whole group, a batch of people. You can do several at a time, and the and the scorecard should help with this. But you should go through that individual, kind of look at the scores, tally them together, and then say, okay, here's where we landed. You know, this person was. You know, a seven out of a ten, um, so that would trigger a hire. But if it's below seven, if it's a six, then we won't hire them. Uh, essentially, and so that gives you the ability to say, okay, you know, if if we are going to hire them, what what should what should the role be? Um, Does anybody have any objections, et cetera? Because obviously, sometimes you're going to be kind of in the middle, right? There's going to be somebody who's like, we're kind of right on the edge. My um, Advice on that is if you're not one hundred percent aligned that you should offer a person, don't offer them. Right? don't don't do it because you want to be confident as a team that we're all on board in the same direction. We should all vote to say, this is the person that we're going to hire, and we are going to accept the results, whether they succeed or they fail. that would that is what needs to happen every single time. Um, and that way, when that person does fail, you can look at one another and say, hey, we agreed to it together. This was something that we, we mutually, as an organization, we chose and, and we were wrong. And that's okay. Or, hey, we mutually made this decision together. And guess what? You know, it, it worked out well. But you want it to be a together thing. You never want one person standing on an island because then it comes back to that person and, and that causes division. Once you have your standing roundup, you made your decision we're going to offer that person. we're not going to offer that person, then you need to either you know whoever is charged with making that offer, whether that's your h r manager or your recruiter or your manager, they need to either quickly make that offer, and I'm talking within within a day um, that you have made that decision because talent moves very quickly. So many times I see people say where well, we're going to draw it out, where we're going to see how many other people that we can you know, get through the process just to see if there's anything better. Like if you've agreed at the company that this is a person that you would and should hire, hire them, like make the offer to them. Otherwise, they're they're going to go somewhere else. They're also going to wonder, what did I do wrong? Is, is this going to be a good relationship if I can't get good, quick communication out of them? So good, efficient communication is important. And same for, for feedback. If you make a decision that you're not going to hire someone, immediately go, offer them the feedback, there's going to be so many times where they're not going to like it. And again, you need someone who is able to both offer empathy, um, but then also be direct at the same time, the person who is giving this. And so many times, candidates don't get good feedback. And, and I know people are worried about different things, and they're worried about people you know, being worried about discrimination. If you have a good process that says, hey, we chose to go with another candidate, We chose to go with someone who is more qualified. That is fair. And you can provide that feedback to to individuals and and move forward confidently. Once you've done that, onboard, right? Now you got to have an onboard strategy. That's a whole other podcast when it comes to onboarding. Um, And then same with check-ins, right? What's your 30, 60, 90-day plan? Who are they checking in with? The point here with that, once you've onboarded someone, is you really want to be able to check and see who's been successful in your organization. What are the goals that they need to hit to be successful? So, you know, ideally you want somebody to have succeeded in that role. You have metrics like we talked about last time that a year from now, you can basically say, yeah, that person has been successful or not. And you can then look at, as time goes on, your hiring process a year or two years down the line and say, we were 50% successful with the hires that we made. 50% succeeded and hit the baseline metrics that we had hoped for or we had 20% voluntary turnover. You need somebody tracking that in your organization because if for some reason you've got 80% turnover and you've got an, a 90% failure rate, well, guess what? That's your fault as a leader. That doesn't mean that you you failed forever, but it means that you need to look at your role. You need to look at your hiring process. You need to look at is it realistic the expectations that we've set um, in this role, and really just get honest about the role and the organization. Who is managing? Is it is it a manager who's failing somewhere? That way you can you can fix the process. But it do, it it does not happen without gathering data, tracking that data, and making sure that your hiring process is working effectively. And and again, your scorecard should help you define those things. As an executive, as a, as a CEO or COO, whoever's charged with handling the, the overall success rate of hires, you need to sit down with whoever's in charge of these processes and, and give them goals. What is what is our attrition rate need to be? What do we need to improve it to be? What is our success rate of hires? Um, what do we want? Let's aim for something. Even if we don't know that today... Let's let's get something to aim for, and that way each year we can improve that uh, in the hiring process there as well. So that is a quick rundown of what a structured hiring process can look like. We could do an individual podcast on each one of these things that we went through, the scorecard, putting together a hiring board, the actual interview process, offering, onboarding, creating metrics to, to keep track of, all of those things we could... We could look, and maybe we will. And we may we may dive into all of those things, but it's important to say, hey, we've got a process that we all believe in. We can all sign off on this. And um, and again, like I mentioned earlier, we need to be able to say together. We're making this decision, and if that person succeeds or fails, it's on us as an organization, on a as a hiring board, as a leadership team, and ultimately as an executive who's empowering these people and training these people. It is up to me to give them the tools that they need to succeed. And hopefully a podcast like this is a helpful tool to help you onboard and hire well. So that being said, really what I wanna do next time is talk about sourcing. Where does this talent come from? Because this is once you've dumped talent into the funnel, right? And we need to know where that talent comes from. How do we go find that talent? So we talked about our strategy. Today, we talked about our hiring process. Now, where are these people coming from? I have people ask me all the time, like, as a recruiting company, as a recruiter, like, what, what's your secret? You know, what, what are you guys doing? And the, the secret is that there's not a secret. The secret is that I've just had a bazillion reps. I've recruited for years. I'm better at it than you are because I do it every single day. I'm the fishing guide, right? If you were to go fishing somewhere, if you were to go to Alaska, you wanted to go king salmon fishing You know, you could walk out there with a fishing pole that you bought from Walmart and give it a shot, but the chances of you succeeding are probably fairly low because you just don't do it every day. You might catch one, but you might not. If you said, okay, I'm going to hire a really good guide who does this every day, he's going to know exactly where to find the fish, what they're eating. Are they in this bay? Are they in this river? What insects are they eating right now? That's what a good recruiter can do. They can say, hey, listen, this is what we do daily. We know ebbs and flows of the market. We talk to candidates every single day. We know what they're looking for when it comes to benefits and expectations. And that's why uh, it's helpful to to work with uh, a group like ours here as well. So all of that being said, let's talk about sourcing next time. It's not as complicated as people think it is, but it is hard. It takes a lot of reps and it takes developing networks, and it uh, it takes defining what you're looking for. What kind of fish are you looking for? What kind of role are you trying to fill? So we're going to talk about that a little bit more next time. Hope this one was helpful. If you've got questions, shoot me a message on LinkedIn, find me on LinkedIn, leave a comment, feel free to rate this on whatever podcast platform you listen to. And we appreciate you guys listening. I hope we can bring some value to you guys. And if we can help when it comes to recruiting or just giving you an idea of what the market looks like, we want to help. And um, obviously, we love the transportation industry and and helping different logistics and transportation companies grow. So thanks again. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Recruiting Stories podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out on LinkedIn, Adrian Chapman, and Cover3 Consulting is our company page. Also check out our website, www.cov3consulting.com. Again, thanks for joining us. And we just simply want to remind you that you can change the world by putting people in a position where they can do the most good. And you do that by recruiting. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.